This is Unfilter, episode 88 for March 5th, 2014. Russian President Vladimir Putin has been sending troops across the border into Ukraine's Crimea region in continuing defiance of President Obama's warnings and threats of sanctions. The Russian forces began moving in after Ukrainian protesters ousted the pro-Moscow president of Ukraine last month. They were demanding closer ties to Western Europe. Putin said he is protecting Russian interests. Coming up on this week's episode of Unfilter, Russia and the United States are meeting face-to-face for the first time since the situation in Ukraine that they've helped create exploded. The confirmation bias is strong, and all sides are engaged in a media-fueled war of propaganda to hide the real reasons for the conflict. We'll follow the money and break it down. Actions always speak louder than words, and we'll examine the fast-paced maneuvering of the U.S., Russia, and the EU, and why all of this could be heading towards a new kind of status quo. We'll explain. Plus our follow-up, your feedback, and much, much more on this week's episode of Unfiltered. Welcome to Unfilter, episode 88 of Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show that's distracting you from all of that TV you shouldn't be watching. My name is Chris, and joining me every single week is the always excellent Mr. Chase. Hey, Chris. Hey, everybody. You know, the one thing about TV, though, I have to admit that I do watch (laughs) is sports. I'm hearing a lot of admissions these days, Chase. And a lot of sports, you know, coming into baseball season, I'm going to be watching a lot of TV. But there is one thing that is not TV related that people should watch. What's that? They should watch the last episode of the Faux Show. I was going to say, you've been cheating on me, Chase. You know what? Hey, hey can you blame me, though? No, no, can you blame me? Seriously? That was a great show. It was an awesome show. I a little was Faux Filter action. Faux Filter a- a- action with Angela all over the TV screen. Wait, what? <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> yeah, wait, you were there, Chris. It was, uh, and I, I made up a special unfilter-inspired intro, so it had its own... Uh, it had its own spin on Faux Filter it. intro. It, it felt very good, and actually, yeah. you guys can check it out right now. Uh, just head over to the Jupiter Broadcasting page. Head over to the Full Filter uh, last episode. It's yep, right there. Just the last one from this week as right we there. record this here episode. Well, Chase, I uh, you know I actually wanted to take your comment about watching TV. You know, I think the purpose here of this show for some people could be we'll watch all the stuff that like really drives you crazy. All of the different news networks where you know it just makes your brain hurt. We'll watch all that for you so you could spend your time actually watching the shows that make you happy and right. make your life better. And yeah. then we'll catch you up on all the stuff that you you could have been watching and, and we watched it for you. So really, it's not so bad if you watch TV if we're enabling that because we took care of the vegetables for yeah, you. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we try to be as fair and as equal as we can based upon the information that yeah. is delivered and, to us. And you know, this week it's going to be interesting yeah. because uh, well, I'm going to talk about it when we get 
to the Ukraine segment, but there's a lot of passions and a lot of nationalism around these kinds of topics. So what we decided to do is sort of split the difference, and we'll go get the uh, we'll go get all sides. We'll play the clips from all the different news networks that all have different um, sort of motivations, you might say. Yeah. Uh, looking at URT, yeah. uh, and we'll play all of them, and we'll <laughs> yeah. sort of we'll find common ground somewhere yeah. in the middle. But you know, the one problem though with that, Chris, is then people come at you and they come at me and they say, "Well, uh, you guys are going way too far to the left here." Oh wow, you guys are really, really Republican. Wow, you guys are really, really Democrat. Oh wow, you guys are well. I don't even know what to call you guys. You know, we get yeah. that. We get that so yeah. much. Yeah. Well, it's cray cray. It's just cray cray chase. It's 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 you know so, it's a problem. We I need get, to be on Fox News. There's That's, yeah. breaking news, Chase. Right here, uh, we, we have a special alert. Fox <laughs> News alert. Yes. Uh, so this is something that came up uh, between episodes last week, and uh, this is a good example of some of that news you might not have wanted to have to watch. But yeah, did you hear the story about the GCHQ uh, monitoring Yahoo web cameras? Yes. Yeah. So here yeah. I'll, I'll catch people up. on And this. they they actually and they were they were trying possibly to use Xbox 360 Connect yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. If you have a webcam, your picture may be in the hands of British intelligence this morning. An English newspaper says a surveillance program targeted 1.8 million Yahoo users around the world, even though none are suspected of wrongdoing. Elizabeth Palmer looks at the report based on classified documents from NSA leaker Edward Snowden. She's in London. Elizabeth, good morning. Good morning, Anthony. This is yet more information about just how invasive the security agency's monitoring programs have been, both here and in the U.S., intercepting vast amounts of private electronic communication, including emails and, of course, now pictures. The Guardian newspaper reports that an official British spy agency, GCHQ, used software provided by the NSA to vacuum up millions of video images from webcam conversations by Yahoo users. That is, it was invisibly eavesdropping on conversations like this, the kind of thing that are used more and more these days to chat or even do business. But because video files are so large, the UK government computers were only capturing one still frame every five minutes. <laughs> Yahoo, which said it knew nothing about the program, said it amounted to a whole new level of violation of our users' privacy. The Guardian reports the program is codenamed Optic Nerve, Ooh. and it served partly to experiment with face recognition technology. Oh, of course. Yeah. The UK government says the program was entirely legal. But Philip Mudd, a former CIA analyst, says whether it's acceptable is another question. The question this raises is the same question that's raised by the acquisition of phone and email data. It's not whether you can so. do it. It's whether citizens in Britain the United States believe their governments should do it. The allegation that the government is not only reading and listening, but also watching our private lives is bound so to intensify that debate. There is one thing, though, that's got Britons laughing this morning, Anthony now, and Nora. It's the revelation. Did you, did you hear that she's laughing? Okay, now listen to this. Tell me if you think her laughter in this report is appropriate at this point. Okay. There is one thing, though, that's got Britons laughing this morning, Anthony and Nora. It's the revelation in the GCHQ documents that their analysts had to be warned to use caution when they were looking at the intercepts because up to 11% of them contain what it called undesirable nudity. <laughs> 
Incredible. Elizabeth Palmer, thank you. Oh, was, wait, how, how is that hilarious? That's, I think that's atrocious. That, that and is I think the most it's, disturbing it's, thing I think I've heard out of all of it. Yeah, uh, exactly. And so these GCHQ... Oh, you know, Chris, it's hilarious. You know, I, just was, getting, I was spying on you and your family. Well, we, you know, <laughs> that so was it turns out, Chase, like a massive amount of people what? are using these as private jerk sessions, you know, probably for like uh, couples. About 11% of the web imagery that they harvested was undesirable nudity, according to the GCHQ documents. These documents range from 2008 to 2010, they revealed that the surveillance program that was codenamed Optic Nerve, or aka Optic Perv, as our chat room put it, collected images of Yahoo webcam chats in bulk, saved them to the agency's database, regardless of whether the individual user was in uh, an intelligence target or not. So it was just a massive swoop. All right, Chris. You ready for this? In one six month period in 2008 alone, the agency collected webcam images, including 1.8 million users. All right, so I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Okay. I, w- I want to see how you re- you're going to play this off. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's say, for example, the government here, which we already know, is collecting all these images from webcams. All right? Mm-hmm. They're looking through all the webcam images, and they notice some very disturbing behavior, maybe involve kids, maybe some inappropriateness with kids. Now, we can identify the person. We It's a clear, nice, beautiful webcam image. It's a C920. We got a nice, crystal clear image. We, we I can, think you're giving the Yahoo service too much credit. We can <laughs> we can identify who is behind it. Yeah. Uh, well, how, what do you do then? I'll tell you why uh, that's sort of the straw man argument, because what it's really going to be used for is blackmail. I mean, this is so. This is so you perfect mean, so, for blackmail. So, so internal government blackmail, like that the, sure. that we saw with the generals, stuff and the, that and would the never get out. You would never find out about that right. if it's used. If if it's used for internal blackmail to make some politician but shut you're, the but f up. But you're going to see governments, and they've already done this before. We've seen it here many, many times, where they say, "Well, we need our internet records. We need to know." Uh, the cookies and the websites well, and that you're going to it, because it's all about the kids. We you need know to protect the kids. Is or- Orwell was right, and where does it end? So not right. only do the UK streets just have cameras everywhere. They have CCTVs everywhere. But now they're reaching literally into the homes. But what's even more disturbing... But if you're not doing anything wrong, Chris, you, you have nothing to worry about. Here's what, here's what disturbs me and, and makes me wonder... Uh, the data sorting and targeting and, and, and collecting of the metadata, well, guess who helped him do that? The X-Key Score program from the NSA. So the yeah. N- so they were sending these images through the NSA system so that way they could run it through the X-Key Score metadata program to extract the different metadata information. So it's also possible, although not contained in these documents, right. that because the NSA had to index these images, that they may have a copy of these images. Yeah, but then again, you have no right to get a record of what you believe that they may have because it's all under the guise of national security. You can't exactly petition your government to say, all right, I want to know what you have on me. We've heard stories countless times, time and time again, where people have tried to get information and they haven't been able to. Uh, so this is in this is one of the GCHQ's uh, uh, memos that was leaked as part of these uh, recent rounds. This is from the memo itself. I, I have it in the show notes. It says, unfortunately, there are issues with undesirable images within the data. It would appear that a surprising number of people use webcam conversations to show intimate parts of their body to the other person. Also, the fact that Yahoo software allows more than one person to view a webcam stream without necessarily sending a recipient stream means that it appears sometimes to be useful for broadcasting pornography. Which I know in some countries... And I've seen this happen where, uh, and here's how I know. I watch, I watch some shows on YouTube. One of them is being Border Security Australia. And there's, <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> 
Stop it. Okay, uh, <laughs> so I was watching this show, and this guy, this, these guys were coming back from my uh, from some country, I don't know, and they were going through uh, customs, and they were searching all their their stuff because they were suspected to have drugs, and they found on them pornography. Uh oh. However, they 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 took the pornography into a private room and they checked it, and some of the pornography was not allowed into the country because it doesn't meet. Australian pornography Decency laws. standards or whatever. Exactly. Wow. So, so what happens here on these webcams is what if some of these things violate those decency standards? Yeah, that's I'm, funny. I'm just like, how has this helped terrorism? Please. This is the problem with, Please meta- explain this is the problem with metadata collection, internet history collection, webcam image collection is there are so many laws that everybody's breaking something even when they don't realize it. If you collect everything, you can always find something, and that can always be used, and that's the problem. Uh, and I, 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 we have more. We have a lot more information in the show notes yeah. if you guys are curious. A couple of Guardian pieces that were pretty good on this. I want to shift gears. We talk a lot about the NSA, but we're not talking enough about the CIA these days, and they just got in trouble this week. I don't have any audio on this because the story's still developing in the mainstream media because they're pretty much operated by the CIA. They have no idea how to handle this story, so no, there's no audio yet. Right. I bet within a day or two, or maybe even tonight, there might be something. Uh, but So this is kind of a big deal. Uh, this is coming from an internal investigation, as far as I can tell. The report is that the CIA may have been monitoring computers that the agency provided to the Senate Intelligence Committee. The computers used by the Senate aides to prepare the committee's still ongoing report on the CIA's secret detention program after 9-11, the so, torture program. So to summarize, the, the CIA wanted to know what the Senate... Uh, the committee was going to say about them what they were looking at, yeah, right. So they want they were so 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 they had to have access to the CIA's network. So the CIA so, so this provided is basically them with spying computers. on your girlfriend's email to right. see if who she's talking but to before she on, breaks. The they're spying news. on senators and senate aides on what they're doing and monitoring what they're getting into. And you ready for the whammy, the double punch? What now? Uh, this is coming. So let me double tell you. This is coming. Oh, this is coming from the Guardian. Um, and according to uh, a US, they don't they don't name him here. Doesn't look like, but they say a leading U.S. senator has said that President Obama knew of the unprecedented unprecedented action, quote unquote, taken by the, by the CIA against the intelligence committee, which apparently prompted the inspector general's inquiry. So, okay, what they're saying is that Obama knew. Okay, this was from a letter from Senator Mark Udall to Obama. Now he's asking Obama to hand over and declassify 6,300 additional pages to the inquiry committee about the tortures carried out in the CIA. If Obama refuses to declassify those 6,300 pages, they will have a case that he is obstructing justice on this investigation and that he likely knew that they were monitoring the senator's aides. This could be bad for Obama. But and it's a, it's and it's totally legit. It's, but it's, if he did this, right. he could. I, I hope he gets. But you know what? It not only could be bad for Obama, but people need to look at big picture here. People may be saying to themselves, "Well, who cares if it looks bad on Obama? He he can't run for president again. He's a lame duck president." This looks more bad on the Democratic Party and puts more power towards the Republican side and also perhaps maybe the independent side of things. But really, this looks bad. On the whole Democratic Party well, as a whole, for him. I, if, if he, if, if Obama, Chris, if Obama goes down, oh, hello everybody. If he goes down, that's it. I mean, there's no way a Democratic uh, president's going to get in office. Yeah, next term, it's not going to happen. Hello everybody. And I just, I just wonder, you know, if we were, if we had Romney right now instead of Obama for this. Term, <laughs> Go ahead. 
these things here's the funny thing these <laughs> things would probably still occur yeah, exactly that's why i'm laughing i know exactly. so so the uh, cia probably notified obama of what they had done hey <laughs> By the way, they sent a message on his BlackBerry. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I think he works they, for them anyway. Well, so. I know they sent him a BBM. They're like, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, yo. I think that's about it. Yeah, I think that's about it, Chase. Uh, all right. Well, why don't we take a quick break? Hell yeah. Now, you know why we play that? Because we're happy, Chase. We're very happy. Yeah. Because you know what? You know, we we know that you guys don't want to hear us whine and cry. And, and, and yeah. we don't want you to skip through this part of the show. Don't skip. Oh, okay. Just don't skip, you guys. Do that for Chase. Commit don't, to that. Don't skip, okay. because I want to say a personal thank you to the 356 unfiltered supporters. Oh, we're climbing back up. We had a big setback after the whole Target yeah. credit card reset thing. Yeah. But people people have jumped on board. They're recognizing the value. And I hope, too, I want to point something out. Yeah. As we're about to go into the Ukraine segment, Yeah. something naturally has happened over the last three weeks of this show. Naturally. So uh, two weeks ago, okay. we had a, a pretty good summary of what the heck was happening in Ukraine about yes. the protests and that all that correct. kind of stuff. Right. Then we, we, st- we stopped for, for a week and th- as the situation developed, and we talked about the military budget. Yeah. And now here we're back in the third week. We're going back to the Ukraine after significant developments. And War isn't it interesting how all three shows now for the last three weeks, you can just tie a thread that we didn't realize at the beginning. But now we see yeah. a thread through all of this. Um, I'm going to talk about more than a second, but yeah. <clears throat> I want to say thank you for those of you who've recognized there's some value to a show like this and also appreciate the fact that it is, it's media funded. Well, and uh, there's right. a lot of reasons, yep. I'm sorry, it's, it's listener funded. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of reasons why we've chosen hey, that oh. model. I want to talk about one today that's the most important to me, why this is a listener funded show. Yes. And, and that is because when you have an advertising based show, you have to drive the download number as high as possible because that equals more money. Yep. You have to come up with gimmicks. You have to really focus on sort of creating a show that can be focused to the larger crowd. Now, for some shows, that actually makes for a better show overall. And I think in some appropriate in some shows, it's actually more appropriate because it makes the show more competitive. It has to keep its edge so that way you can get the numbers to get the sponsors. But I think for some shows, news coverage, a controversial discussions like we're going to have today, I think for those shows, it's more important to focus on the core group of people who believe in this type of media and get value from that show. Because then we're just then we are focusing on whatever we need to do to drive more value to them for their monthly contribution, and it creates a platform where we don't have to worry about the numbers, we don't have to worry about making a splash, we don't have to worry about marketing, and we don't have to worry about a sponsor message. What we have to worry about is what does that three hundred and fifty six p- group of people want to hear about this week, right? And that fundamentally changes the recipe of a show. Now we have a great question in the chat room. You know, one of the benefits of doing this show live is sometimes you you guys definitely get involved and minty acts in the chat room asks a very basic question but i think it's a very very important one and wants to know what the difference is on being an unfiltered supporter and a jupiter broadcasting subscriber okay so we the reason why we have a separate thing for the unfiltered supporters which is in the show notes not on the general supporters page is because we're trying to account for the specific run cost of this show. Right. We want to track it on an individual basis. <clears throat> and and we have some shows already on the network that don't have advertising, and those shows are essentially funded from that base. And I don't want to rob from those shows right. to do a passion show that takes more work than all the other shows. Oh, it does. It so, so does. I have to, because of the amount of, the, the amount of time and dedication to this show, which, to be totally frank, is constantly a battle in my mind whether the trade-off is worth it, because... 
I, I start on the show early in the morning and I work late into the night. And that, you know, when you're when you have a new show that's coming online, when you're building a new studio and you have seven or six other shows in a week, dedicating and, seven a.m. to midnight every week that's and a honestly, big commitment. And honestly, Chris, it's it's one of those things that you and I have talked about at nauseum where we have I have my network of, of gaming centric content, you have your network of Linux and technical centric content, and then you have unfiltered. <laughs> right. It's just it's this it's, weird. It's it's yeah. it, it doesn't fit in either of our networks per se. Right, right. But it's one of those things that you and I feel so passionate about right. because we give a rip about what's happening in our yeah. world. Yeah. Not just in the US, but what's happening in and the I've world. I've always felt compelled to do something like this because I watch all this stuff going on. I read about this kind of stuff and I have the means to spread information about it, and yeah. I, I, I feel guilty if I don't. Yeah. Uh, so what I want to do is I'm, I'm trying to reach out to people. I'm, I'm not asking everyone to support the show. If you can't afford it or you don't feel it's worth it, I'm not asking for you to do it. I'm asking for the people who also believe in the concept and want to see it continue. Yeah. And it, I would say right now it's, it's not really at the point where the value of me doing the show is worth the time I am investing, but I'm hoping that... By by working in that condition for a while, I can get the point to the to the monthly well, subscribers where it does where it's I'm like hey this is actually making a decent profit and it you know from a business standpoint and from just a time commitment standpoint it's a little more justifiable. We're not quite there yet. It's trending. But I believe in it. And, yeah, we're and, trending and, in that direction. And it's trending, and that's the most important thing, right? We always look at numbers. Hell, I look at numbers all the time, not just podcasting numbers, just employment unemployment numbers and other kinds of numbers. We're trending the way we should. And when you jump on board and become an unfiltered supporter. Not only you get access to the show, which duh, everybody gets access to, but you get special neat benefits. For example, Chris, yeah, yeah. you get access to a pre and post show. That's nice. So, so not Way only more content, you get more content, so much more content that we cannot fit into the show. So we we throw in more clips. Well, you get other personal stories, things that are going on in our lives, things like that. You get the full experience. But then you also get access to the exclusive BitTorrent thing. Now. I don't. Th- I don't think we play this up enough. I know because, because when people get it, they're like, "Holy crap!" Well, all right, first off, I, I've seen some of the comments in the chat room, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, there's so uh, there's so, so much. much information yeah, here." Yeah. So what we do in that BitTorrent sync, you guys, is it goes out what within 24 hours of a show being posted. Pretty. I mean, I try to get it that night, but it takes a while. Yeah. You know, everybody has to upload yeah. it and distribute it. It goes east coast and west coast, so you yep. get a really, really fat. Sorry, you guys overseas. Uh, if you're overseas, try to go yeah, to the east but coast. Even, but even you know, for them, they only have to come to the edge of our right. our, our country to get so, it. So so the cool thing is, you get all the clips. All of them. Yep. Uh, and and it, like in the last couple episodes, I've been doing an overtime folder yeah. where they're videos, they're yeah. long videos. They didn't fit in the show, but they right. give you either like some great propaganda or some great information. And there's overtime folder. There's probably, you know, there's there's stuff in there that maybe should have made in the show, but just didn't. Yeah. So you, you get access to all of that information and you then you're able to take our opinions, take the full sound clips with us, not talking over them, and then you can compile your own opinions. Yep, you get the. Uh, you also get the last five supporter show in a separate BitTorrent sync. And last yeah. but not least, there's a newsletter that goes out after every episode, which yeah. includes like RSS feeds, direct downloads, additional links, and behind the scenes info about that you know particular week's episode. So really quickly, yes. you know, here's a commitment. Next week, if we get a bunch of people to sign up, yeah. I will make this supporter segment like our shortest yet. We'll do a super quick one just as a thank you. Yeah. Because yeah. you know uh, these go on. By the, we got by a lot the way, to say. I, I, for, I I don't know if you checked the unfilter uh, email. I, but, I think I did, yeah. But we got somebody who fill, uh, came in and created an NSA clip for us. Yeah. Oh, you found oh, – I was going to surprise you with that. I meant to play it, but here, I'll play it right well, now. Well, I got it to my email. Yeah, right, yeah, How okay, is this a surprise? Right. So this is from Paul T. Yeah. But keep listening. Update. 
uh, he said that uh, if if we liked that, he'd add some swooshes and whatnot too. <laughs> so yeah, isn't that nice of him? So yeah, I should have played it at the top. Yeah, I'm just no, not used to it. Yet. No, no, that's fine. No, so it. let's say hi, let's say yeah. thanks, and then we'll we'll get out of yeah, here. Yeah, let's do it. Segment. So I'll start with the Amazon Review Police. <laughs> the Amazon that's what that's the name on the account. All yes. right, Sean B. Of course, Jonathan C. Robert C. Edward. David T. And John W. Yeah, thanks, you guys. You guys brought us up to 356 Unfiltered supporters. We're, we're brainstorming right now. If that number keeps going up, we've got ideas, and I think we've got some really good ideas and yes. things you guys really like. Yes. So thank you very much. And make sure you new supporters, uh, I throw you this, get your first newsletter tonight. I want to throw this out there uh, for all you Unfiltered peoples out there who listen to the show, even if you're not a supporter or not. And I've been, I've been throwing this back and forth. Chris, we know we have episode 100 coming up. Oh, my gosh. It's coming up in 12 weeks. And that means that's just three months away. Stressing out already. Oh, I bet we'll be in the studio by then. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna, we should be in the studio yeah. by then. Yeah. So I want to throw this out to the community. I, I, I've brainstormed internal ideas to Chris, but I want to throw out to you guys. What do you think we should do for one hundred for episode one hundred? I and I and I don't want I, and I want everything out there. I mean, everything from maybe a, a unique shirt. To something wacky live, I don't care. I want to be merch. It doesn't have to be merch. No, it could, it could be. be. It could be a merch if you want it to. You mean like an on location unfilter? Uh, anything. That'd be pretty. Fun. Nothing is out of the Wonder ordinary. How we would do that? We 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 would just make it happen. We do unfilter at Precios where we're like, we got. Of course, we wouldn't be able to eat chips into the mic, but <laughs> get some margaritas and some guacamole. I, I don't know. All I'm saying is, I want to hear from you guys. So make sure you email the show unfilter at jupiterbroadcasting.com or. Just leave a note on episode 88's post on YouTube. Yep. That will work. Yep. Or, or, the it, or, or the unfiltered subreddit. Actually, that might be a good spot, too. Yep. I want to compile ideas from Bacon everywhere. Bacon party, drunk unfiltered. Well, that's just about every other unfiltered. Uh, <laughs> by the way, uh, Chris, uh, junk company in the chat room. Uh, any update? <laughs> that's what's junk company. <laughs> any update on PayPal possibly for supporters? Yeah, well, we're, you know, we kind of have an idea of sort of revamping the supporter system using a service you and I yes. have been talking about. Yes. I'm kind of thinking going that direction, but and I'm kind of waiting for some other stuff to happen first. All right. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I do. I do. Yeah. Uh, so, so yes, send us, send us your ideas for episode 100 and Junko, we are <laughs> unfilter 100 AK 47. Yeah. <laughs> Actually we go to a gun range. Oh, wow. That's kind of hardcore. <laughs> so send us the ideas, uh, submit them into the unfilter subreddit. If you're not there, why not? But you should be unfilter.reddit.com or uh, unfilter jupiterbroadcasting.com. So yep. Chris, Ukraine. Yeah. So crazy. Uh, before we, you know, this is going to be one of these ones where some of the people listening are already, they already have their minds made up either about uh, about Russia, about Putin, about the U.S.'s role in the world, whether they should be or shouldn't be. Uh, and so really quickly, before we get into the news, and it's, I think you guys will be, I think you'll find this fascinating, but I want to start with the term confirmation bias. And I'll have this link to the book of knowledge. But just to summarize, confirmation bias uh, is the tendency of people to favor information that confirms their beliefs or hypotheses. We see this all the time, by People the way. display this bias yeah. when they gather or remember information selectively or when they interpret it in a biased way. The effect is stronger for emotionally charged issues and deeply entrenched beliefs. And I think anything that involves nationalism or your nation or the defense a lot of times falls in that. So as we're listening to this, try to keep in mind, you know, just keep an open mind. We'll go through this. But uh, yeah. definitely, I think one reason why people might have a bit of um, some confirmation bias when it comes to the topic of Ukraine is because our national news with Diane Sawyer starts a little like this. And next, we turn tonight to the tension rising around the world as Russian President Vladimir Putin casts his shadow across the boundary of Europe and Russia. <laughs> okay. So, All right. so what she's saying here, Chris, let me translate. Yeah. 
is he is so big, yeah. Putin's so big, and such a tall and huge you know, guy. When she says that, what comes to my mind is World War II propaganda where you would have the, the, the Nazi maps and like Hitler's shadow across the map. That's what comes to my mind when she yeah. says that. Uh, so then George, he's got to kick it up a notch. As we come on the air this morning, America and the West are facing the most perilous confrontation with Russia since the Cold War. President Obama spent a tense 90 minutes on the phone with Vladimir Putin yesterday, warning him to withdraw forces from Ukraine. The UN Security Council has been meeting an emergency session, but Russia is not backing down. Its forces on the move in Crimea, surrounding Ukrainian military bases. The new Ukrainian government has put its forces on high alert, too. It is a high-stakes and dangerous standoff. So we have a high-stakes and dangerous standoff. Dangerous. I recommend you tune back in a couple of weeks ago, because we've actually, if you have the time, you might want it to go a ways back. Because, Chase, think about this chain of events as okay. we, we hear these clips. Right. And, and we've been picking something up with... Definitely, you know, even really before the whole Edwards, before even before Edward Snowden went to Russia, do you remember that CIA guy with the bad wig who got captured by Russia and then they showed like all his spy gear? Did, oh, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really, since then, things have been taking a sour note in the media with Russia. Then the Snowden thing happens. And then we got a lot of the anti gay, you know, Russia hates the gays oh, stuff yeah, in the and, media. And, and then you have the Olympics. You where had to build up to the Olympics. That Russia was going to crash and fail at them. Right, right. right. And then you had uh, Victoria Newland's uh, FDU call leaked out, and yeah. during the Sochi Olympics, of course, we had to we had to hit on the hotels, how bad the hotels were. You had the dogs, the the you had don't, also don't the weather, the, the warm inter- weather, the internet security where you can right. get hacked while you're in Russia. Right. Yeah. Right? But, yep. I, and uh, then you know now, conveniently, after this buildup for what we've now been seeing for weeks and what we've been covering for weeks, we now see it leading up to the situation in Ukraine, where contempt for Russia, contempt for Putin, as is at an all time high. But, but I, why? Well, I just, I think it plays into an overall global strategy of isolating Russia. And if, and I think what comes a little more apparent is here's the actual situation on the ground in Crimea. Without firing a shot, the Russians are now in control of Crimea's local government as well as the roads and all the military installations. The only pockets of resistance are small groups of Ukrainian soldiers who are dug in on ships or in bases still holding out against the Russians. Today, Ukrainian officers' wives joined their men to resist a Russian assault. They formed a human shield in front of Belbek Air Base Gate. While inside, their husbands waited nervously. A Russian officer had just delivered an ultimatum. He told us, said the colonel, to swear allegiance to Russia or leave. If the Russians attack you, will you fight? Yes, he said, we will. But no one headed for battle stations. In fact, things were strangely relaxed. Second Lieutenant Ivan. I don't think that they will attack us, but we will defend our base as we can. You don't want war? And you think they don't want war? I think they don't want war. I think they want territory. They want territory. And so far, you could almost say this is a gentle siege with the casualties really being egos. You know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, you know, I can kind of see that, you know, when he put it simply territory. Yeah. This is Russia trying to be once it, what it was before right. it kind of all broke I, apart, right? I, uh, see, I think that might be confirmation bias. I think because you're told that all the time, although I'm not saying you're wrong. No, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm been honest here. You know, I've been really disconnected when it comes to some of these reports because I don't want to have that confirmation bias? So I think what Ukraine... Okay, I think you're kind of right in one sense. So I think Ukraine represents a couple of things. Um, 
Uh, I think one thing we have to keep in mind is Russia only has one warm water port, that's one true. warm water naval port, and that's right. in Crimea. That's why they're there. Right. That's why they have an agreement going back to like 1997 that they could have troops stationed there, up to 25,000. That's part of their agreement with the with the with the government. Right. Is they can have up to 25,000 troops stationed at their naval base at all times. They, I don't think I think they have 10,000, but that's the agreement goes up to 25. Okay. But it, that's their ha, only warm water, warm water port. But I was going to say, how is that dissimilar, though, than us having a uh, station in Japan right. or so whatever? I, I think what's, what's at play is Ukraine is this really nice buffer between them and Europe, right? Right. And uh, NATO and all the NATO states, their mission has been to encircle Russia and sort of trap them in their cage and keep them in their own little part of the world. And I think there, the he's. I think there's probably concern that if, if if the Ukraine fell to a West friendly government, which it now has, uh, the pres the, the the Moscow friendly president is out, and the U.S. friendly president, who's being aided by John Kerry right now in Paris, is, is in, in right. And they, you know, now I would assume Putin has to be looking at that situation and thinking he doesn't I don't, like this. It. Makes me feel a little claustrophobic. So there is that aspect to it. I'm not justifying. But Russia it. isn't Russia still the largest country by square mileage and in, in, in size and geography? Yeah, I don't think they use a lot of it though. <laughs> well, I mean, but they still are. I mean, here's the thing: I, is, is this just is this an ego thing? Is this is this a personal Putin thing, or is this a country philosophy thing where they're they're trying to hold on to to the, the ideals of old? Um, no. No, it's not that I don't think. And I think what's interesting is if you if you pull away all of the uh, if you pull away all of the hyperbole around these reports, it's it's been it's been really they went in and they took the air. Again, I'm not justifying it, but I'm just yeah. playing a little reality checker. They went and took the whole area without ever firing a single shot. That's true. No drone fired a missile. Right there was no there was no bombs dropped there was not it was they they walked in it was fairly peaceful really so far only damaged egos. Perevalnoye is just one of the Ukrainian military bases still loyal to Kiev, surrounded by Russian soldiers who've set up camp. This may be a siege, but it's a relaxed one. The wives and families of Ukrainian soldiers arriving with food for their men. Not so much scared for them as outraged. Leonida says it's humiliating. Our soldiers being told to disarm. As a woman, I imagine it's like being asked to strip naked by strangers. I don't know if it's quite like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think, though, the part that kind of plays into that, is it is it an ego thing? Right. It, uh, is uh, during all of this, while tensions are super tight... Uh, Putin is doing is doing things that they were scheduled, but he's doing things to raise the tension up and really draw attention. Welcome to RT, coming to you live from Moscow. It is 11 a.m. here in the Russian capital. And we start with breaking news. President Putin has ordered 150,000 troops to return to their bases after successful drills in central and western Russia. The manoeuvres started on Wednesday, causing a barrage of accusations in the West with speculation over a possible military intervention in Ukraine. The war games involved 90 aircraft and over 800 tanks. So while this is going on, they're doing war games, right? Which, right. Is, which created a lot of great B-roll for, uh, for the news media to roll over and over with cuts of Putin. And of course, the chairman is pointing out there technically was a shot fired. Um, recently, uh, the local military, tried about 200 soldiers, tried to retake an airport and uh, one of the Russian soldiers, uh, allegedly Russian soldiers, shot off into the air a few times to warn them. Wow. It did end peacefully, though. Okay. Uh, all right. And then, so not only do we have military tests, but we also have missile test firing going on. Oh, this is CNN Breaking News. 
Breaking news here on CNN. Russia has test-fired a missile. Let's get straight to CNN Pentagon correspondent Barbara Starr for the latest. What's going on here, Barbara? Brianna, two U.S. officials tell us that they can confirm in the last four hours, Russia fired an intercontinental ballistic missile test fired. It was a test and a test only. Uh, it launched and landed in Kazakhstan, a remote area that the Russians use for test firing these kinds of missiles. What U.S. officials also tell us is they knew this was going to happen under uh, arms control treaties, the START treaty, which regulates missiles. Uh, the Russians notified the U.S. They oh. gave them a four hour window what? in which they expected to conduct the test. Uh, all within the rules and regulations of the START Treaty. So the U.S. was notified that this test firing of an intercontinental ballistic missile was going to happen, and they were notified before the crisis in Ukraine. This had been on the books, we are told, for some time. Which almost makes me wonder how long they've been planning this, because it comes right after the Olympics. Of course, Putin didn't want this going on during the Olympics, but as soon as the Olympics are over, man, he acted. And, of course, they had this test fire... um, and, you know, you said, is it about ego? Uh, here is Putin's take. He had a press conference today, and he took a few jabs at the U.S., saying that the U.S. is experimenting. To be fair, was he shirtless? No, he was sitting. He was actually. So he was sitting in a nice, like, king's, like, kind of, like, oh, chair. Okay. Legs spread apart like all this. Right, all right, all right. Uh, and just answering questions. Um, but he had full crotch uh, exposed. <laughs> Uh, anyways, he said that the what the he said it's the West. The U.S. is going in there and they're they're experimenting on the Ukrainian people like rats in a lab. I have a feeling in America, some people sit in some lab doing experiments like on rats without knowing the consequences. Why do they need to do this? Nobody has an explanation. So are Putin's claims method or madness? German Chancellor Angela Merkel is one of the few world leaders Putin has spoken with recently. According to the New York Times, she described him to Obama as being in another world, a sentiment shared by some Russian observers who say the president has surrounded himself with yes-men in the Kremlin. So this is the new meme, is that he's isolated and he's surrounded with yes-men. Uh, but Putin says, hey, you guys can say I'm crazy. I say I see a trend. Libya, Iraq. Whether it's Libya or Syria or Iran or Ukraine, he sees Western actions as uniquely attempting to undermine Russian power. So he, so Putin says this. This is becoming this is becoming the way the U.S. operates. They use the CIA to so, go in and undermine governments and replace them. So put yourself in his shoes, right? What if you're Putin, Chris? How it's like, Chris, you're Putin. How would you feel? I I actually think he has a point here because do you remember a couple of weeks ago? Oh that, wait, wait. Uh, did you hear that, Chris? That is people now flipping over. They are yelling and screaming yeah. and now, writing nasty wait, emails. Wait, I, you, your inbox is now filling up. I see it right now, Well, Chris. I'll tell you why. I think he might have a point. Okay. Uh, do you remember a few weeks ago when Victoria Newland uh, her, her leak came out where it was F the EU? Yeah, yeah that yeah. would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the UN help glue it. And, you know, f*** the EU. Now, do you remember what they were talking about? The context, no. All right, well, this clip will remind you. Well, what you hear these two high U.S. officials discussing is literally putting uh, members of the Ukrainian opposition, uh, moving them around like as if they were playing chess, on how to configure a new government in Ukraine. The U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, uh, Jeffrey Payet, and the U.S. assistant secretary of state, Victoria Nuland, were uh, trying to figure out who would, be fit, who would fit best in what position. They said that uh, one of the opposition 
opposition leaders, Yatsenuk is the guy with the economic uh, experience and the best governing experience, that he's the guy that should be on the inside. When uh, with, They also mentioned uh, Klitschko, another opposition uh, leader, and uh, another, uh, one more, uh, Tsenibok. Uh, those two, the two U.S. officials say that those are the guys that should remain outside of government. They even referenced uh, Klitschko as a uh, complicated electron in, in, in uh, the, the circumstance of creating a new government. They, uh, they said, uh, they mentioned even troubles that he's having in his marriage right now, how that could come into play with him having a role in the, U- the newly formed Ukrainian government. They spoke about keeping the moderate Democrats together. They also spoke about the fact that they need uh, something to make uh, their plan stick. Once they, uh, a new government is formed, if it starts gaining altitude, they need uh, some kind of uh, you know, symbolism, be it a, a UN uh, figure to come into Ukraine, uh, give a nod to it. Uh, they say if that doesn't like happen, did. they said that yeah. the Russians could come in and torpedo any plans the U.S. is now putting in place for the new so Ukrainian government. Everything they talked about that phone call has just come out, and this uh, has happened. And this phone leak, this phone call was leaked weeks ago. Yeah. The leaked phone call that came out explained quite clearly they wanted Yatsenyuk to be prime minister, and lo and behold, magically Yatsenyuk ends up as prime minister. They wanted Klitschko to be off to the side to kind of cut his teeth in the political process. That's exactly what has happened. It's not about a conspiracy. It's not saying that this is some sort of a secretive plot. We all understand what's happening. So while, I mean, we can all agree that Putin's a bad guy and that Russia has a lot of their own interest, I think it's, it is obvious that the West had a hand in this uh, because there, this phone call was leaked weeks before it came out. I remember yeah. it, was specu- it was speculated that the Russians were the one that leaked it. And I think it's pretty clear when you look at just the oil pipelines that run through the Ukraine. By the way, uh, Chris, oil is money. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to say, this is showing the money. This is what, what's so, going on here. Money and oil are the only really true sources of power in this world, right? Yeah, I mean, right everything. Now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, if you look at, you can see why the EU is extremely dependent on the pipelines that run through the Ukraine. And you can also see why Putin is very interested in keeping some control over this. Well, also, when you consider their warm water port, uh, I mean, it, it all, it seems pretty obvious to me and why the U.S. might be involved. Yeah. The question you might have is, what's next? So what next? The Russian soldiers around the base weren't talking. And you don't know how long you'll be here? The truth is they probably have no idea. Moscow will certainly resist giving up control of this vital territory, home to the Russian Black Sea Fleet. But what happens to the Ukrainian soldiers holding out from one end of the peninsula to the other? Apart from a few high-profile officers switching sides, the troops have held their ground on dozens of bases and even on military ships. Commander Alexei Nikiforov said, Marines never surrender. Nobody at the base wants to swear an oath to a dubious government, but the troops have been crushed emotionally. Crews of two Navy ships fastened their mattresses to the rails to prevent the Russians boarding. And in a powerful symbol of loyalty, the Ukrainian Navy's biggest warship is still flying the national flag. Moscow could insist that all this be handed over to the Russian military to control in the future. But this matter, too, is now in the hands of the diplomats. So you have a situation here where uh, the existing Ukraine military is saying we're still we still pledge allegiance to the government that stands now, the one that 
uh, the one that was is now being run by the people who were the protesters. Right. And uh, so you have this you have this situation where this is sort of a powder cake because it just takes one upset soldier for potentially shooting the wrong person and really the situation devolving like a stack of dominoes. It could get bad quick. So Obama is under pressure to do something. But the problem is it's not like he can send well, well, in yeah, the troops. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is he supposed to? No, he'll send in the drones, right? Well, no. I mean, he can't he can't go start shooting people. So his option really comes down to potentially economic pressure. White House and State Department officials talk with American allies throughout the weekend. This morning, the Obama administration hopes economic threats will convince Russia to withdraw its forces. Now, we are not particularly a huge economic uh, income generator for Russia, but well, the why EU is. Yeah. So what we want to do is work with the EU and get them to apply some of this pressure with us to really sting Russia. The problem is EU, they all need Russia's gas. I don't think that they have much of a choice. Willis Sparks is an analyst with the Eurasia Group, a leading global consulting firm. The Europeans don't want a direct confrontation with the Russians because Europe draws 28% of its natural gas from Russia. Two-thirds of that gas travels in pipelines through Ukraine. Germany gets 38% of its gas from Russia. So uh, this is a really key part. So I'm going to play it again. That 28%, by the way, they they it's, it goes up and down. It spikes up, spikes down. So that 28% they're quoting there is when it's spiking down. From Russia. Two-thirds of that gas travels in pipelines through Ukraine. Germany gets 38% of its gas from Russia. Italy, 22%. France, 18 The U.S. has little economic leverage. Only 2% of its trade is with Russia. But Sparks says the West's most effective move is to pump billions in economic aid into the new government in Kiev, which is close to default. It's not about sanctions. It's not about punishing Russia. It's about helping the Ukrainian government, because frankly, that's what the Russians are really worried about. So Obama's best bet is to to do some more symbolic sanctions here from the U.S., but really to proxy prop up the new government so that way they can remain firm. So that way Russia doesn't move up from Crimea up into the Ukraine. So we're going to give them billions of dollars. And conveniently, Kerry decides to go tour the square. U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry arrived in Kiev today. NBC's Andrea Mitchell is traveling with the Secretary of State, who tonight has landed in Paris. Andrea, good evening. Good evening, Brian. This has been a remarkable day, traveling with the Secretary of State to Kiev. What began as a show of solidarity with the Ukrainian people became so much more as the impact of what had happened in that square took hold with the Secretary of State. At John Kerry's first stop, the streets where Ukraine's people rose up in the face of live gunfire from their own government, the Secretary of State was swept up by the powerful emotion of the place, taking in the barricades of tires and barbed wire, where mourners now leave flowers and candles. But this is so dramatic, the setting, this view of all the flowers and the shrines, quite amazing. It's quite amazing. This is like a scene right out of House of Cards. That's why it's quite amazing. So on the front, and Kerry brings a full press court with him. They're all loaded up on Kerry's plane, and he's flying journalists from every major news organization with him there, and they have this massive crowd surrounding Kerry, and he spends time at this memorial. But you know why he's actually there? He's there to tell them, if you work with us and you do what we tell you, we'll give you some cash. Secretary Kerry made his way today to the Shrine of the Fallen near Independence Square, where the demonstrations that ousted President Yanukovych began. More than 80 protesters were killed in the uprising last month. 
Thank you! Thank you! The crowd appreciated the visit, as did their leaders, who got the concrete help they were looking for. Oh? Kerry promised the U.S. would provide $1 billion in loan guarantees, oh. help Ukraine huh. get its finances in order, oh. and bring sanctions against Russia in the coming days. Oh, so yeah, he's over there for the photo op and also to give them a billion-dollar loan. Because why do they need a billion-dollar loan? Because Ukraine is in the hole for $10 billion that they need to pay by the end of the year. And guess where most of that money will be given Ukraine? Guess where that money's going to go? Mm. To their largest creditor. And you know who their largest oh. creditor is? Russia. So that money will go through the Ukraine government, this new Ukraine government, and they'll, they'll probably take a little cut, and then they're going to pay that money to Russia. So we're going to give a billion dollars to Russia. And it, it, these kinds of actions are what also make me suspect the U.S. involvement from the very beginning. You've got Victoria Newland's leaked phone call where she basically lays it all out there brilliantly. And the reason why you didn't remember what the contents was about, because the entire media industry including us because it was just so great, focused on the fact that she said F the EU. That's what we thought was so great, and that's what we all talked about. And we were focusing on the real media. The fact that they were planning the overthrow of the current Ukrainian government. Oh, my God. And so, Kerry, to make sure he can lock this deal, and he's promised them a billion dollars, then he's going to take one of their new their new representatives, he's going to personally fly him to Paris so he can meet with the Russian representative who's actually scheduled to meet with Kerry. So Kerry gives him a plane ride and takes him to Paris and lets him have his meeting time slot. Margaret, it wouldn't seem the administration has a lot of options. What is it going to try next? Well, the hope is that Russia and Ukraine will negotiate directly. The Ukrainian foreign minister, who was a protester himself three months ago, flew to Paris tonight on Secretary Kerry's plane. And he told us that he expects to meet Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov tomorrow. Now, Lavrov is scheduled to meet with Kerry, but he has not yet signed on to meet with his Ukrainian counterpart. Margaret Brennan in Paris for us tonight. Margaret, thank you very much. Yeah, they were all in Paris that night because Kerry flew everybody out there. And uh, the uh, the uh, Russian representative actually declined to meet with the Ukrainian representative. That happened today. He did meet with uh, Kerry. And just like all of Kerry's meetings, absolutely nothing productive at all happened, according to the reports. But they do have plans to have more talks real soon. It's funny how every time Kerry goes into a discussion with somebody, that happens. Uh, so uh, and the reason why the Russians decided not to meet with the Ukrainian guy is because they feel like uh, this new government in Ukraine is illegitimate. They think think that it's unconstitutional the way it went down. They have pledged support to the previous president, who still claims to be the legitimate president of the Ukraine. And so Putin says, well, no, we're not violating the law because that's not a legitimate government. We don't recognize it. Well, the U.S. is... Do they not recognize borders and sovereignty? They they say they don't recognize... They say it was an insurgency group who overthrew the president, which is crap. So, So what are they doing, essentially? What are they trying to do? Are they Are they an insurgency group on their own, then? Yeah, they. That's what he claims. That, 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 but no, know, that to but me about, sounds like propaganda. But what about Russia on the on their own being an insurgency group? Well, he claims that they have up to, and this is true, thanks to the 1997 treaty between Russia and the Ukraine, that allows up to 25,000 Russian troops in the Crimea region. So they say we recognize the uh, the elected government, and that elected government has signed a deal with us in 1997 that allows troops to be here, and we are acting out on that agreement. That's their defense, uh, they, and he says it's all legal. Which, you know, come on, come on, right? Uh, But this clip kind of talks a little bit about how that money is going to go to Russia. wider conflict is risky for Russia, too. It could disrupt the flow through those pipelines. And more than half of Russia's budget revenue, Scott, comes from oil and gas. 
Russia's the world's largest oil producer after Saudi Arabia. Anthony, you mentioned in your story that Ukraine is virtually broke and owes a lot of money that it could default on. Who does it owe the money to? Well, its biggest creditor, ironically, Scott, are the Russians. So the billions that they've been asking for, much of that money would end up going through Ukraine to Russia. Ironic. Oh, super ironic. ironic. Yeah, super. Isn't it ironic, Chase? Uh, you guys got to go check out the show notes because we got a ton of good stuff in there, like Putin's defense, uh, the, the, the full uh, press conference that he did, the links to uh, the, the money situation in the Ukraine, which are pretty crazy. And also this gem, uh, the EU is also offering a bailout bundle, but they're going to they're going to take the U.S.'s one billion and they're going to upsize it. The, the European Union offered a larger than expected package of aid to the Ukraine today, saying it was willing to provide 15 billion in loans and grants over the next several years to help the shattered economy get back on its feet. So we have Russia who has a debt owed to it yeah. and also has these oil pipeline deals. And then you have the EU and the US saying, come on, side with us. We'll give you all this money. And you have a government who may have been inspired by the West. And it sounds like from that leak from Victoria Newland, at least the, their, the, the West was involved in moving the pieces in place and then flying that those illeg- or those legitimate, wherever your view is, representatives to go meet with Russia. Sounds like there's a lot of West involvement here with this new government that's put in place. So you could see part of uh, Putin's argument that it's illegitimate. But at the same time, it sounds like the government that was in place was crazy corrupt. The people hated it. Uh, it was, on the most part, a people's revolution. And they wanted that, that government out. Eric Ekman. Isn't it ironic? Don't it you is. think? Yeah, it is ironic. A little too ironic. And you know, here we are sitting now. Uh, at the end of the day, we've said, a, you know, everybody has said their piece, made a lot of noise. But I, I think in some ways, I agree that Putin's goals, I think at this point, have been met. Putin may already have achieved his goal in Ukraine, establishing and emphasizing Russia's control over its bases and Navy port in Crimea. The danger is that the volatile mix of propaganda, emotions, and armed soldiers he's unleashed there could easily spiral out of control. So and he's kind of got, he's got his warm water port, he's got a good yeah. piece of land, uh, and he's got a good justification for it. The EU doesn't have a lot of economic incentives to be to play tough ball with Russia. The U.S. doesn't have a lot of tools in their tool bag. We've got a great military, but we don't want to use it in this scenario. So we're just going to roll over and let it we're happen. We're going to make a big fuss, and we're going to you know make a big stink about it, and make some sort of symbolic sanctions. Yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about how great those are. And you know what? I, what I don't get at the end of the day... What really strikes me about all of this is it this was not that unforeseeable. In fact, it was so foreseeable that a book I recommended once before on the show called The Next 100 Years said this would happen. And he was exactly right that this would be something they'd want to, that Russia would want to do to reexert their world power status. But also, kind of ironically, uh, there was a Tom Clancy book put out called Command Authority, where in the book... The main bad guy is a Russia president, and it starts with his rise to power based on a dark secret past, and he decides to go in and take Crimea and part of the Ukraine in this Tom Clancy novel yep. that, has been, that was published like years ago. I mean, this has been an area that people who watch world movements have been expecting for a while now. So I don't quite understand why we seem like we were caught so flat-footed on this. Yeah, was, this was... The, the narrative the entire the the, the entire time people here. seem to I mean I, yeah. I, you guys if you want to check out the book I have it linked in the show notes I have the audio version 
and the uh, it's also available on Amazon Kindle. version. It's on, yeah, yeah, it's on. It's available. Everywhere. I mean, it's worth a read. It's a Tom. Yeah. It actually wasn't written by Tom Clancy, um, but it's like part of the Tom Clancy brand yeah, franchise. Well, yeah, it's a it's a Jack Ryan novel. Yeah, uh, uh, and, and Mark uh, Green. Yeah, that's yep. Greeny. Yep. Uh, and he's the guy that actually wrote it. Um, and it, it's just I'm not. I just always find it fascinating when it seems like this stuff's been called, and yet the people who are in power either they pretend like they were caught flat footed, or when you hear those leaked phone calls, you think maybe not. Maybe they say one thing publicly and behind the scenes they're pulling well, strings. you know, we, we've, we, we talked about quote-unquote shadow puppet governments before on this show. And that's probably, you know, there's so many behind yeah. the scenes happening. Yeah, that, was a, that government that was in there was Moscow friendly. They were backed and, by Putin. And it makes it extremely difficult to do a show like this when we all we have is biased RT. From all sides. Or yeah. biased NBC. Yeah. Or biased Fox and, News. And you are dealing with people who have grown up their entire lives as... Russia is the bad guy. The U.S. are the crusaders, the beacon of truth and light. You and know. hope. Yeah. And, and I think it's kind of really at odds of what we have actually been acting, our actual actions lately. Yeah. We all know that the United States prides itself in being the beacon of democracy and freedom. When it comes to Russia's latest steps surrounding the events unraveling in Ukraine, accusations have been flying high from Washington. But if we look at countless facts, past and present, while the U.S. demands that its finger-pointing is taken seriously by the rest of the world, how often has the U.S. listened to what others had to say on its actions? Russia has a naval base in Crimea that has been there for years. The U.S. in the meantime has more than 700 military bases around the world and is the notorious world leader of getting involved in wars that are opposed to not just at home but also abroad. But memory, when convenient, becomes short. You just don't invade another country on phony pretext. As if the invasion of Iraq in 2003 had never happened under what was later proven to be such false pretenses, some would argue the world is still shocked. The people of the United States and our friends and allies will not live at the mercy of an outlaw regime that threatens the peace with weapons of mass murder. We will meet that threat now with our Army, Air Force, Navy, Coast Guard and Marines. So obviously we have a history of kind of doing this too. And RT has just been beating this drum so hard these last yeah. couple of weeks. And they've been taking some hits from their own internal. RT America's uh, had a reporter quit. They have Abby Martin's thing. We're going to talk. We yeah. talked about the Abby Martin thing in the supporter show. We'll talk about the reporter quitting in the post show. Yeah. Uh, but I, it, it is all of these. It's the, the saying goes, and I think it's so true. The real first casualty of any kind of war, a cold war or a real war is always the truth. And we have so witnessed this all thing, this whole thing go off the rails. And you see, like some of the clips we played in the supporter show, there are politicians who are using this to sort of stage themselves for 2016, and they're using it for political game. Yeah, Yeah, and And they're and they're using it to try to, you know, stuff the 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 pockets of maybe their military uh, contracts or whatever it is. And I think it's interesting how. You look at this big buildup to this propaganda around Russia. It seems like, obviously, behind the scenes, the State Department knew what was going on because they were orchestrating some of it. And I think if you look back at that big meme about military budget cuts and when it was leaked, because, again, that was a budget that was for 2014 and 2015, like or for next year. Yeah, for future. Yeah, and yet we talked about it last week because it was pushed hard in the media, and we noticed it, and we talked about, you know, there was an important thing that had come up. 
kind of the timing on that when I look back at it. Now, you could hear people already, you could see people on the floor making the argument, how could we be talking about cutting our military budget at a time like this when we're, tensions are just as at, 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 at loggerheads, just like during the Cold War? How dare we cut back the military? You could see how all these kind of things are sort of clicked into place over the last few weeks. Well, you mentioned that, you know, the first thing to, to die or to go away is the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't know the full truth because all we have is what we have. But the second You're saying and, we don't know what we don't know, but we do know that we don't know what we don't know. Exactly. Okay. But the number two thing that that is really tragic here is what about the people of the Ukraine? I know, right? I mean, I know. You're you're there. You you know, you I mean, yes, some people say, "Well, you have a choice. You can leave." Well, some of these people can't afford to. They have no way to do oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's, and it's their it's, home. And it's their home. And they're just trapped like pawns between these different world powers. Yeah, because, you and know. And corrupt governments. Because it all, it, it all comes down to, uh, you know, government uh, shells and political structures. And oil pipelines. And oil and money. Yep. That's what it's going to come down to. And you know, Political posture. One thing that always fear, that I get, you know, big fears about, not really maybe for me and you during our lifetime, perhaps, but maybe your kids or your kids' kids. Mm is, you know, oil is not a infinite resource. It mm. will run out. It will. That's why getting control of these things is more important than ever. Right. The stakes and, have never been higher. And then these are the kind of things that lead us down a path that I am really scared of. Yeah. And that is, you know, more and more restricted freedoms. Um, and then you have military, you know, spying on you. Well, and then all of a sudden we're at World War Three. Yeah, if China starts getting, you know, if China starts getting real close to Russia as a response to this, that's definitely a bad thing. But one positive thing that might come out of this is the U.S. might get a little more serious about ramping up our natural gas production and, you know, using that more, selling that more. Uh, that's that's looking like this is that's an outcome of this. People want to punish Russia for this, and they want to. Uh, we played a clip in the supporter show. They said they want to punish them for decades over this. So I think there's going to be some interesting changes and shifts in the global landscape as a result of all of this. So I think it's a so new, sad. I wouldn't be surprised. So frustrating. I don't know if I want to put it in the red book, but I wouldn't be surprised if Russia just keeps Crimea, like because. There's a lot of reasons to get them out, but not e- not enough big ones to make a big fight about it. And I think a lot of people can let that slide. And I think that's the worst thing about it all is they're just going to let it slide. I don't know what's going to happen in Ukraine itself. That's going to we're, we're going to have to see the rest of Ukraine what's going to happen. But Crimea, I don't. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Russia just get to keep it. Fail uh, or is it F forty one L in the chat room says conspiracy bacon? Didn't Germany host the Olympics before World War Two? I, I mean. I don't like going. Down I don't think these it's going to go that far. No, I really don't. Not this particular instance. No. I think it. I think this, it'll this, set yeah. up a broader, like yeah. longer term sort of. It, it's definitely damaging things more. As Rodney King would say, "Why can't we all just get along?" Right. Why? I mean, honestly, you know, here, you know, here I am in the JB Studio and and looking at um, your collection of awesome Star uh, Star Trek ships. Yeah. And Gene Roddenberry's vision. Of you know it wasn't a, it's not about money it's about exploring and it's about uh, doing better at, you know as as a people and and just you know having good strong ideals and I know this doesn't really quite fit maybe into this situation but I always think like why you a communist Chase why no I mean why can't <laughs> am I a socialist yeah Chase you are a socialist no I, I just sometimes when I see these things I understand people have power you know issues and they want they want to. Because we're just hairless monkeys that figured out a little bit more than the ones that have hair. Ugh. Telling you, Chase. Uh, I, I, I think long-term relations are, are strained, but I think we're just going to kind of – we're drifting into a new normal now. You know what we need, Chris, is we need a president. We need a leader 
that says, you know, they're not going to listen to special interest groups and they're going to be the face and voice of change hmm. and they're going to be a change, a, a good now positive you're just getting change my hopes up, Chase. that we can believe in. You're getting my hopes and, up. And, you know, he's going to go up there and, oh, wait, someone already tried to say that. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, Clinton, you know, who's going to be our president in 2016, she came out and said that this is a Hitler move. So she's p- coming on strong on this one. She's, she's laying it down thick. We need a Batman. We, we need... A- well, so I just want to touch on one thing, and this is going to make me sound like I'm uh, attacking the right here, but one thing I've noticed is... Lindsay- well, you, tra- you attracted the left earlier, so... Oh, I, I could- did? Good. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Lindsey Graham um, and John McCain have really been pushing on how this is a failure on Obama's part, and um, I think that is probably not the whole truth because, it, you know, we had a hand in all of this. But the part that I don't like is they're... The, the the things they're pushing for, using our banking system as sort of a tool to smack Russia with, I think is a really bad long-term strategy. I think it sows discontent in the U.S. financial system when we're willing to turn things on and off like that. I think it, do, it gives people a reason to want to get out of the dollar. But at the same time, I think it also encourages Russia to work more with China, and I think that could potentially be a bad thing for us. So I think it's 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 irresponsible of some of the people on the right to be nailing Obama so hard for uh, not taking more economic actions against Russia. I think we have to think more about that because, A, it doesn't sound like there's a lot we can do, and B, we could be setting an, a series of events in motion that have much larger, much larger global implications down the road. I, I could be wrong, but I think it sounds a little bit to me like political opportunity taking and sort of the national best interest is taking a back seat to temporary political gain. Well, you know, Denny Tech in the chat room, I think he hammers it home. No one, not, not one of these guys think about the long term. <laughs> oh, that's true, Chase. And no one, no one ever does. No one thinks about the ramifications of what kind of policies and actions that they take today yeah. could affect what's going on in the future. That's true. And there's plenty of blame to go around to both sides. But I just have really noticed this both, very aggressive. Yeah. It's too aggressive. It's it's yeah. it's more. It's not helping the situation, Chase. No, no, and it doesn't. It doesn't help the people on the ground. It doesn't help the real people that are going to suffer from this shit. And right. that I'm sorry for saying that, but it's true. You know, people could help this show get a little bit better if they visited our subreddit over at unfilter.reddit.com, where you can submit stories. Oh, that you know that I got to say, down. you know, that community over there is just thriving. They're awesome. You know, they're they're submitting stories. Do you remember daily? your prediction for the? community number all i know is is i I blew through it i just i know i did because uh, 186 you said and i was too high you said 1185 yeah and you know what you're right i was wrong we are at 1196 what yeah i'm dead serious all right well do you want to make a prediction for next week real simple i like you know flat even numbers i'm gonna go an even 1200 1200 so 1200 1200 can you believe that no, so head over to unfilter.reddit.com where you can submit stories i especially want to hear from you guys who uh, have suggestions for episode 100 maybe someone yeah. can start a thread yeah. and just make it happen uh i agree i think i'd like to hear that in fact uh if you know they had other things they wanted to get a hold of you about chase maybe they could find you on like a social networking you mean site. you mean social media yeah well you i have like a twitter i account? do have a twitter thing it's at nunes okay. n-u-n-e-s oh okay and, okay, and right. it's five characters. Now, here's the thing, Chris. Yeah. You're on that social media I, I found out. The I little am. bird thing. Didn't, didn't even know. Twitter.com slash Chris Elias. You just signed up. I've been having a, a shell script that's been doing my Twitter management wow. for me, but I'm taking it over. 
this week. It's a cron job I got to turn off, but well, I'll get it. I'll you get let people it. take over your Twitter stream? No, just a bash script that I sent. Oh, out. fair enough. But I'm going to take it on. I feel like I have a responsibility. You know, you should put it on your uh, hey, your iPhone. Chase, you doing uh, any like uh, like internet shows or something? I do uh, Minecraft and technology content and oh. gaming. I like games at geekgamer.tv. That's where I do my thing. Oh, maybe I'll check you out over you there. Geekgamer.tv. Yeah, and I want to invite all of you. Over you should. Yeah. Maybe I'll see you over there. Yeah, maybe. Come <laughs> join us live, won't you? JBLive.tv yeah. on a Thursday. All right, everyone. Well, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode. On a Wednesday. On a Wednesday. We used to be Thursdays a long time now ago. Now on a Wednesday. But next week, we'll be right back here, same time. All right. That's good. We'll see you right back here next, next week. week.